0: All right, y'all, it's the Play Cousins Podcast.
1: Miss Bitch.
0: All right, we're here for another week. My name is Jameer. My
1: name is Lindsay India.
0: Okay, and you guys know that you can follow us <laughs> at It's Jameer on Twitter and Instagram. And um, <laughs> over 40 and feeling frisky, which I feel like has <laughs> been happening a lot. Ladies, follow me on Facebook at Jameer Pond. Lindsay, where can I find you?
1: At Lindsay India, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y India like the country on Instagram, Twitter and Snapchat and LindsayIndia.com as well.
0: Absolutely. and You guys can always hashtag Play Cousins to continue the conversation and at Play Cousins on Instagram at Play Cousins podcast. All right. So that was the cleaning that we had to do. Mm-hmm. House cleaning
1: mm-hmm. uh, that, that, that we had to do.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right before. Get the right cobwebs webs off. <laughs> make sure you guys know who we are as we do every week, but we have a, a a very uh interesting topic just because we uh Lindsay told me, she said, Hey, uh it's mental health month mm-hmm. and we wanted to make sure that we covered a topic because yeah. uh as we have spoken candidly about um mental health issues, mm-hmm. uh, Lindsay has suffered from mental health issues. And um, we wanted to make sure that we were able to touch on this before the month was out. And I suffer, you know, from mental health issues as well. Yeah, everyone has their
1: moments. It's just some more than others. Some need actual professional help. It's all different. So don't feel like just because you don't have a mental illness, you cannot be part of the conversation in any way. Sure. So as long as you're willing to be open-minded to everything, that's really what counts. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So we're going to have this conversation. Uh, Lindsey, I don't know what the conversation is going to pertain to, and I, I purposely wanted it that way. That way it can be authentic for me as mm-hmm. well as our listeners because you you, you have some things to get off your chest and some things to vent about, and I want to let you know that I'm here. I'm here to support you, and we're going to talk through this on the podcast, and we're going to mm-hmm. talk through this in future conversations. Uh, we just don't want it to stop, so... The floor is yours. Mm. Um, the floor is yours.
1: Feels like this whole podcast is just going to be my 22nd rant. rant. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: why we're not doing one. We're not going to do one, but you know.
1: Um, I mean, no, it's just that I'm going through... and It's not like I'm going through necessarily like one thing. That's the thing with mental illness is everyone thinks that you have to be going through a particular event in order to feel the powers of a mental illness or anxiety or depression or anything. When if you have... A disorder like I do with anxiety, um, it kind of can just come from small triggers, but it can also build up into kind of like a it's kind of like a snowball effect for me. So when one thing turns a little snowball, that turns into an avalanche by you know maybe three days later, um, a hour later, depending on the intensity of it. So for me right now, it's like you know obviously I don't really necessarily want to get into the details of things I've been dealing with, but it's just turned into a big snowball effect and. One thing about that I noticed when people discuss mental health is they talk about it after they go through it and that's something I've been doing but I think that right now is an important time to have an episode where I'm currently just going through it like I'm gonna go home today and be battling some dark thoughts like you know I'm gonna be thinking questioning things about myself questioning things about my future and my life and My worth and all of things that might be self-esteem or trauma, PTSD, you know, things are going to come up and they have been coming up for the past few days. So I just think it's important to kind of give a little exposure to the midst of it rather than the aftermath. Mm.
0: So So I'm not going to ask you. Um pertaining what because i know you don't feel comfortable explaining full stories well but just because it
1: involves you know other, other people, people so right. they that's their business i don't right. mind i would never mind sharing things but i don't you know I, i'd always like to protect people's privacy especially when it pertains to issues or you know their lives or whatever it might be right
0: so so uh, like i would just say surface level surface level stuff um So are we talking about family things? Are we talking about social relationships and, you know, friendships? Um, Just surface level to paint the picture, because I I don't want anybody to feel left out Mm -hmm. who may identify with you at this point in time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's kind of pertaining to, I would say... (laughs) You keep going. I would say um, it's kind of pertaining to a mixture of, you know, health, uh, with a, something in my personal life um, and kind of the, the part of the health and that made me wonder about, like question things like my purpose in life which mm. makes it a bigger picture and a broader spectrum. It makes me, you know, question, you know, God's plans, things like that. It makes me just, I don't know, it's just kind of like, it's just the aftermath of a situation that rocked my world a little bit and made me question a lot of things and people and brought out behaviors of things and people that I was not prepared for per se. So it's kind of like, it just triggered a lot of dark emotions to mm. surface. And that doesn't do well with my anxiety per se. Like I'm just not someone who I, I thought I could handle the situation fine, but I just, now I'm realizing I kind of can't. Right. It's hard, it's hard to like, pinpoint per se, mm-hmm. what this yeah, what it is, without like revealing anything so. yeah, of
0: course, of course, yeah, how do you, okay, so you're going through, we know that this is a constant battle mm-hmm. that yeah anxiety and that mental health have always been prevalent, um since I've known you mm-hmm. when when spells like this happen when when things cause. Tremendous reactions from you. Mm-hmm. Give me a day to day because I know, like a or a daily run through or when you're going through uh, issues that seem like they could break you. Because I know sometimes you 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 isolate yourself. Yeah. Um. I know sometimes that you take breaks from social media, which mm-hmm. is absolutely uh, necessary. But I noticed that sometimes I. I can tell your mood changes, like your social battery is dying. You're not Mm. as chipper as you are. Um, But give me a day-to-day. You go through something, it triggers um, uh, uh, a hellacious mental health episode. Mm. So after that, what's the aftermath of that?
1: Well, I'll give you an example of when I was going through a very stressful period, probably like a month and a half or two ago. Um, before I started working for Double XL, like it was, and I was working a miserable job, and things just keep, keep kept getting worse. Health issues kept coming up. Um, things with my family weren't great, and yeah, and like some of the parts of my support system felt like they were crumbling. Um, so the aftermath of that, basically, I mean, when I was really in the depression part of that, I mean, waking up is one of the probably the hardest part of the day, to be honest with mm. you. People think that you know most of the time it's dealing with people to me, it's waking up without people, kind of like like whether it's my parents being around, friends like being able to come over or a person that you want in the bed with you that you're sleeping with at night, whoever it might be, waking up is actually one of the hardest parts for me. um I find that I wake up with this like a, it's almost like a boulder is on top of me it's like it feels wow. impossible to get out of bed and in my mind, it just feels like every possible – it just – for some reason, you feel like a, the weight is in your mind also and on your heart. It's just – everything is heavy. It makes you feel like you just don't want to go on. It makes you feel like what is the – it's almost like what is the point of getting up today? It's just – it's a big ball of questioning everything and feeling the weight of everything, like not even just physically but emotionally. It's just it's – I don't even know how to describe it, but it's like imagine just, you know, a stone setting in your stomach. It's like a pit. In your stomach and you're just like boom and you it's almost like and you and the fact that you don't know how to shake it is what's even scarier because you're like why do I feel like this oh yeah this happened or I'm going through this or this is about to happen um a lot of time like right now I'm going through depression I'm not going through anxiety um I'm going through a, a depression a depressive episode because of something that did happen before this I was going through m- much more of an anxious episode. Where I was worried about what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I had no clear signs. And that to me was a little bit more scary, while now it's kind of like dealing with the with the crumbles around me, while before I was looking up at the building about to crumble.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. So
1: yeah, that was the difference.
0: When 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 depression sets in, do you... Because I know some, you know, doctors and psychiatrists
1: mm-hmm.
0: recommend medication. Um, do you Medicate mm-hmm. and uh or how do you how do you kind of deal with this besides of course talking and venting about it
1: yeah um what i try to what i try not to do and um is put all of my emotions onto my friends and my support system sometimes i go as the extreme to just kind of fall off the radar and that's you know worried a lot of my friends so like before. it's scary yeah it, a lot of people scary. i mean i remember i remember what was it back in maybe january or something like that when all of my friends just like blew up my phone yeah it was like five people in a row nobody calling. knew where you were yeah and that and the thing is i was just you know i was at work like i was i wasn't anywhere crazy or anything um and i knew that after that i couldn't do that i knew that and it really and someone said if you're gonna go off the radar at least like put on so text us or put on social media you're going off the radar for a little bit just to do you and right. so after that I decided that if that was the case I was gonna do it and then of course like last week I do that and some stranger that had been following me said you're seeking attention and I'm like well I'm trying to cater to the people that asked me to do this but um, basically uh, the last time. Um, The last time that I was, you know, the two months ago or whatever, when I thought that my life was just like, I felt like a failure at everything I was doing. And I felt like my career was never going to come back. That The one I wanted was never going to come back. I felt like I had no purpose anymore. I felt like, you know, my mental health journey was just never going to get anywhere because my mental health was making it hard to go on with mental health about like talking about and making content for it for some reason it just it kind of it's the one that kind of stops me the most Mm. ironically um so at that point when i had like a big breakdown to the point of like questioning harming myself and to the point that i even attempted to harm myself um i the next morning, I remember I called my parents and I had shut off my phone after that. They were worried, but I went straight to their apartment the next morning. Um, and I sat down and I just burst into tears. And I said, I need help. I just need help again. And i had been getting help, you know, like since I was 12. I've been in right. and out of therapy my whole life, you know, for anxiety, PTSD, what you know, you name it, you know, um, or just not even being able to pay attention in school, whatever it might be. My parents always put me in um, professional help, but I always felt forced into it because I always felt like I was being treated like something was wrong with me rather than, you know, you're brilliant, but we don't know how to bring that those brilliant parts out of you in society where you can flourish. Right. It was always like, these things are going to hold you back. So I basically just told them, listen, this is the first I'm going to say this. I need help. I want to get help, and I want to do everything I can. Literally you know, two days, we explored, um, I took off of work for the whole week, I, like, let my boss know I, me and my family were going through something, because there was a lot of dealing with my family as well, with health things, um, it was just too much for me to handle, and, uh, I, me and my parents looked for a, like, a therapist or someone for me, I had a psychiatrist from years ago who had prescribing me medication, but that's all they really, that's all she did was medication, she talks about medication, dosage, you know, how you're feeling, but she doesn't help you. She just gets you towards the prescription. So I needed someone to really, like, dive into my, you know, feelings at that point. But I had always been against medication, but I just said, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I need something to take the edge off. I cannot face these dark thoughts by myself, and I can't depend on all of you to face them for me. So I need help. And that's when that week um, I had about two or three therapist appointments in one week with a therapist um, and she was able to really like talk me through some of the things, talk me off the cliff more or less. I told her about, you know, my, you know, my attempts to harm myself and stuff. And um, she so, uh, and she diagnosed me with adjustment disorder at that time.
0: I'm sorry not no, to cut you fine. off. This is see, you said attempts. So this is more than one.
1: Yeah. I mean, in the past, I've attempted to harm myself, like in the far, far past. Right. Um, I was pretty severely bullied in high school and um before I moved to New York I was like very severely bullied at that point to the point that that's why I moved to New York actually um I had to leave the high school that I was at because things got really bad um and it was the school and it was the school with people that I had been with since preschool like I knew them my whole life so it was That, was, that, that, that adjustment disorder just hit me too hard because yeah. I was so excited to come to New York, but I never healed myself from that trauma of some of the things I had gone through that at my high school in Wilton, Connecticut. And um, I never healed myself, so I came into New York trying to just change my whole identity. I tried to act like someone I wasn't at all because I wanted to impress these kids because I was bullied for who I was at my old school. And I just did everything wrong, to be honest with you, when I came to New York. I did not do—I did not make the right moves, did not do the right things, say the right things, whatever. I just wanted to do anything to be accepted by these kids who are worth millions of dollars and about to— because I went to York Prep where it's, you know, you know, they that have celebrities' rich. kids yeah. there. It's like a Gossip Girl-esque school. Got gotcha. you. Um, so— I remember, and then once I was kind of started being bullied there, and although those kids were little shitheads for bullying me, I also brought it upon myself for, you know, trying to be something I wasn't. Um, not saying that, not condoning what they did, but it's not like I necessarily, like I, like, I was, everybody was wrong in that situation as far as that part, but I didn't, it was because I was acting out from never getting over what happened to me before. It just built up, so eventually I did, um, tried to harm myself later on but I was able to finally, you know, at that point get the help that I really needed and that's when I faced the fact, okay, I have like a mental illness. Rather than just being like, oh, I'm just a, I'm a kid with teen angst. At that point I was like, I have a mental illness and I need right. to do something.
0: So if you feel comfortable enough and I know I'm not I'm not going to push any <laughs> buttons but um what did you go through at school to make you it's, it's two questions. So mm-hmm. what did you go through at school to make you, push you to that point? And then when you're thinking about harming yourself or taking your own life, mm-hmm. give me some of the thoughts that you were playing back in your mind and some of the conversations you were having with yourself mm-hmm. at that point in time. Um, so, yeah, first question, what are some of those things that kind of pushed you to mm-hmm. the point where you were like, I, I got to do something to me?
1: Mm-hmm um well at my old high school in wilton connecticut um i was i was kind of always a little bullied i don't like to call it bullying i like to call it more or less insecure kids teasing another insecure person got you but there was a point where there were these three boys in my class who beat me up in the hallway like they jumped me when i was at my locker because in wilton there's no at the time there's no cameras there's no hall monitors like, or at least like that and stuff it's because it's you know it's a dominantly rich, wealthy white town and not much bad stuff really happens there aside from you know like littler things like drunk driving and you know it's like it's like a typical suburban type of town, right rural ish area. Um, and there were these kids that just constantly picked at me, picked at me, picked at me and I was a weird kid. like I was weird back in high school. Um, I mean, out of, I, I, I just, you know, I, whether it was my music taste or the things I talked about, how passionate I was, I was always different in every aspect I went. And I'm not, I, to this day, I don't really know what their full issue was with me because they had always kind of made fun of me through since, like, seventh grade. But it was my junior year of high school when they actually, like, jumped me and I came they home. They physically assaulted mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Three
0: c- three. Mm -hmm.
1: boys yeah i came home with a black eye crazy um i came home with a black eye that night um to my parents house because i went to performing arts school so i went to um, performing arts school in bridgeport connecticut and the guys there saw it and like threatened to come to my school and like basically kill those kids yeah and i just said no because it was it was tough for me because those three kids were the jocks of the school they like ran shit you know like they couldn't they're untouchable white white boy kids of jocks that can do what they want and i'm sorry to point the race but like let's just be real here it's it's, yeah i'm just gonna keep it real um and they were on like the football team and whatever and it was tough because in my town all the parents know each other all the Kids know each other, blah, blah, blah. All the families know each other and this, that, and the third. And there's statuses. And and so at that point, it just got to be a whole thing. And I just don't even come to the school. I don't want to cause any issues, whatever. So I came in with a black eye and I begged my parents, just please let me stay home for a week. I just don't even want to go into school. Like I just, it was just bad. And then that whole week, um, I remember one of my friends went to the guidance council after seeing like my black eye and like cried about it. And then other girls came forward and said they've been picking on me for years i'm afraid they'll do the same to me and after that i i basically i kind of they tried to one of them logged on to aim and kind of tried to intimidate me to like change up my story but i said i don't even want to share my story so i don't know what the issue is and they said well other girls are coming forward so you're getting us in trouble blah 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 and at that point like Basically, when the dean asked me to come into the office to talk about it, which I didn't want to do, she definitely, like, tried to use wording to make it seem like, let's try to, like, put this behind... How can we put this behind us sort of language?
0: Because their parents probably had money in the school. I don't know what
1: it was. I don't know what the deal was. That's what it appears like. Yeah, I I can't accuse anything. But at that point, all she asked me was, like, do you want to press charges? And I said no, because one of the boys is moms had cancer and the other one was beaten by their father and i said i don't want to yeah i don't want to ruin their lives like i don't want to hurt anyone like at the end of the day they hurt you yeah like somebody could say
0: they hurt you and at the the
1: time i was at the time i i never fit in in that town i never fit in with that school so i already i already had told i've been set on telling my parents let's just get out can i just get out of here can i go to a different school can you put me in private school can i transfer to a different school i don't care where i go and it took us months. It, my parents wanted to transfer me to like boarding school and wanted to take me anywhere I could. And eventually, we settled in, in, in on New York. And we decided as a family we were going to move because we were kind of just all done with the town. Um, so we eventually just moved to New York. But that caused a lot of I, because I didn't never resolve that. And a lot of a lot of the like the popularish people in that grade who were very close friends with those boys all tried to call me a liar. And these are people I went to you know, preschool with, all yeah. of that.
0: So they thought you, what, beat yourself up?
1: Yeah, like they really thought that I did like it to myself, even though the there face. were girls coming forward saying that they had experienced, you know, bullying from them over the years. And I wow. just, at that point, I was like, I don't even care anymore. But the catch was I didn't even care about myself. Mm. And that was the difference of it was like I just didn't care anymore because I just felt like at the, I felt helpless I just didn't know like what to do. I just felt like no one's really on my side. My boyfriend at the time who lived all the way in Philly or whatever that I met at at summer camp, I, I like texted him a photo wondering like, is he going to like be scared after this? Like, you know, about the situation about dating me or whatever. Let me, let me see. His response was that sucks. You should tell someone in a text. Like he didn't even call me. So at that point I just felt helpless. Like there's nothing I can do. My brother happened to be friends with—or at least knew one of the brothers of the, the, the boys. So it was just a big conflict of uh, interest for me. And, um, but eventually, you know, my, fa- my family was extremely supportive for it. Even though they didn't know, like, details, they didn't know anything. They were just like, we just need to help her. And I'll always be thankful that they did that for me. They just really got up and moved to New York.
0: Right. So how long after that did you attempt— to harm yourself. Um, was that in New York or was that still in Connecticut?
1: No, um, the After, because after the whole thing happened, which was in May, um, beginning of May of 2008, um, we moved in summer of 2008 in, in around August or September. And then um, I went to York Prep. And because I was just acting out, like I just wasn't being myself. I was just trying to be way too impressed. I-, I was just like, a. a if you're going to bully someone, I was a good target is what it was. Mm. So, you know, like the weak harming the weak at the end of the day, you know. Right. Um, so I get why I was bullied. It's not at that point. I got I don't get why I was bullied in Wilton, per se, Um, it, to that extent. But at York Prep, I get it. Not saying that they were right for what they did, but. I was definitely a good target for it at the time. Um, I don't think I want to share the details of that just to protect things that happened there because um, that was more public. Like, it was on social media. At the time, it was on fa- all over Facebook.
0: Well, when um, you when you got jumped or this no, was...
1: No, a- no, no, uh, What happened at York Prep. There was a whole thing that happened there. Oh,
0: okay. And, to uh,
1: you? Yeah. Wow. Oh, I guess I'll just share it. Basically, um, me and this boy in one of the classes who was... He was like the he was like the roaster, but he always took things way too far.
0: Okay.
1: And he would always get at me and it and I'm sensitive and I was this is when I was super sensitive. And of course, I would get back. I would try to get back, but I would take it much. You could tell I was taking it so personally. And I was just one of those. I was just one of those roasters. that's like, why would you say that? Like, you know, one of those mm-hmm. things. So I was an easy target for him, um, but he would always just take it over the line. And even teachers would say like, oh, settle down, settle down or whatever. But then it became, like, a full-fledged, like, beef between me and him. Like, to the point that it was not pretty. He would interrupt me when I'm talking in class. I would literally just tell him, you're wrong, any chance I could in class. Like, it would became a beef. And after that, like, I wrote, like, a note thing on Facebook that just basically um, was, like, a, it was, like, a poem slash rap. And I was just, like, telling him, like, how I was just angry. I just you let out all of my anger. And it was it was the dumbest shit ever. I, like, let out all my anger and um and everybody in the class and i tagged him in it like i was just like read this like <laughs> and he like responded he was like oh nobody cares about you like blah 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 like nobody cares what you have to say so some people were commenting rooting rooting you know rooting me on which they shouldn't have been everybody should have just been like you guys need to dead this mm-hmm. but you know it's high school mm-hmm. so then he and then i'm thinking okay i won cool great he'll stop bothering me wrong um he got like his tutor to write uh, or draw a caricature Of me, like, being really fat and, like, just, like, mocking me and putting, like, I don't know. It was just, like, it made me look really, really fat and because at the time I was chubbier.
0: Right.
1: um, And just, like, made me look as, you know, ugly in the face as possible for a caricature and stuff. um, And just, like, went at all my little insecurities that he knew that I had. And he put it up as his Facebook profile photo and every almost every guy in my class liked it and like was roasting it in the com- roasting me in the comments. And I know that for a f- I know he was just trying to win the war. At the end of the day, he wasn't make trying to make me hate myself or anything. I don't blame him for that, but that put me over the edge at that point. And that was like my okay, like no one gives a fuck about me. But at that point, it's because I just didn't all that time I didn't give a fuck about myself at the point. Mm. And that's what drove me to just have my... The conversations that I had with myself were just like, you just do not matter. No one would care if you disappeared. Like, people tried to make you disappear. Look at that. You know, um, why are you you? Like, you're always going to be an inconvenience. You're always going to be a burden. No one's going to care about you. No one's going to love you. Just, like, stop trying. You know, all those types of conversations. Because that's, at the time, what had kind of been shown to me. So...
0: So you you make an attempt. I don't know if you attempt to harm yourself or you attempted to, to take your life, but um, whatever happened, what stopped you from being put in that situation where you actually went through with it?
1: I think the only thing that stopped me was my parents. To be honest, um, you know, I I did used to cut myself at the to- at that time, and I just. It wasn't, like, it wasn't so bad that it was just all, it started to be, like, all over my body or anything, but it was, like, noticeable. Mm. There were counselors, when I transferred to another new school in New York, the Smith School, um, the counselors there started to notice it on my, like, sleeves and stuff. Um, I tried to always cover it, but, you know, it didn't always work. They were just concerned because they just saw that I was, something was off with me um to be honest like i don't really know what fully saved me i would say that music was probably the only thing at the time hip-hop like music was the only thing i could kind of escape into and i felt comfortable like it made it was kind of like my safe space was like once i put on my music or you know do something with music i'm just kind of everything melts away a little bit right um You know, and that's what kind of made me, like, dive as much as possible into that to the point that, like, I wasn't trying to pay attention to anything else in my life. But I don't really know, to be honest with you, what fully, like, saved me. Um, I would say my parents were probably the number one because they were the ones that tried to get me the most professional help at the time.
0: Mm -hmm. So they noticed that you were cutting yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, they, they knew everything um, I would because I would be like crying in front of them and they just kind of felt like helpless. Like I, We like don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, we just don't know. And we they also didn't understand where I mean, they understand everything that happened, but they just didn't understand what was going through my mind. They just they, they saw everything that happened. They just felt awful. Like because they were the ones that, you know, tried to transfer me to a new school and a new school and, you know, try to help me out in that way and change my environment, change who was around me. They tried to do everything they could but it was it was helpless for them i felt i i to this day still feel really bad about all the stuff that they had to deal with when i was in high school and but eventually i got on like you know better medication but but really what it was is it wasn't even at the time it wasn't the medication that i needed it was the environment around me all that time cuz right. once i changed you know the school like when i went to a different school i was around different people who were also going through similar like issues whether it was for learning or you know mental illnesses or just simply not fitting in at their old school. Right. I was you know we were all able to kind of put put our heads into our books bond over that and I got a scholarship to St. John's through that. Right. It
0: was. So this is your third school.
1: Yeah it was my third it was my third school and my second different school in New York. Got you. Okay. And um, I was able to finish you know through my senior year with like all A's basically and That was kind of like the silver lining was just. And then after that, I was able to go. um, I was able to kind of change to a lower medication. I was able to live a much more normal life. So it was always kind of the things around me.
0: Mm -hmm. So you you left the second school because of the incident. You felt Mm -hmm. like you couldn't stay there anymore. I told
1: my parents I was dropping out of school. I started applying for jobs. Wow. Yeah. I just I just was like, honestly, I'm probably like just not going to finish if I if it goes at this rate and that's me that's the schools and the people to blame but that's also for me to blame like I just don't think I didn't think that I was fit enough to fit into like the society standard with how right. I was I felt like something was I thought it felt like everything was wrong with me because not everything had been shoved in my face as you're something's wrong with you everything's wrong with you you're to this you're to that you're to this so at that point I didn't know what it was like to be like praised and complimented on a genuine level
0: you you used uh you cut yourself Mm -hmm. I have met I believe one person who I know confirmed used to cut themselves other than you now Mm -hmm. I want you to just explain because I never got
1: why they do it
0: yeah is it is it comforting to feel that or like break it down for me as somebody who used to do it Um, what did it bring you because it, it seems like you would it would just be like you're teetering on edge like you cut yourself but not deep enough where you take your own life mm-hmm. but just so much that you could feel the pain and see blood and so what was it for you?
1: Um, I think yeah because everybody does it for different reasons some people are full fledged attempting to take their life and they're failing or they're just like you know kind of Not able to get to that point for themselves, and it's just it's they're so close but no cigar. Like they can't just get to that point. Um, Some people did get to that point, but then were able to heal the wound in time um, if they hit that vein. I don't I don't know if that's even possible. If that's fully scientifically possible anymore though. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I did it as a distraction per se, and a punishment almost for myself at the time. I was just so deep in my own self-esteem issues um, and my insecurities that I just thought that, you know, it was like a punish. It wasn't even a necessarily like that, because that, my cutting wasn't an attempt to take my life. It was definitely a punishment for myself or a reminder to say, like, you know, rethink how... People see you re like it was almost like a care about how people see you. Stop acting like that. Stop showing your your sensitivity. Stop showing, you know, your anxiety or your this. Stop so acting like, like this. It was almost... trying to
0: program your yourself through yeah, pain. Yeah, and
1: it was like at that. Now that I look back, I'm like I'm I was sick. Like it was was a I was full fledged sick for doing that. And there's so many people out there that do the same thing. Some people do it because they like that pain more than the pain that's in their mind. Right, and. Um, at one point I was kind of in that state where I was like I'd rather deal with this than what I'm dealing with I'd rather be like be distracted by the fact like oh I gotta go clean this up instead of which is still like it's sick you need we we need help if that's the case and I was still getting help but just it I don't know nothing could really break through to me except for this one social worker I was with who treated everything kind of changed my perspective on things but yeah, that I kind of did it for more of less of like a a reprogramming, I would say, in that way.
0: Right. So you've been dealing with this for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um it probably it started to get it would be fair to say it started to get really outrageous during high school. Yeah. Okay. So you've been dealing with this all this time. You've been seeking professional help. Mm-hmm. Um but your issues have continued to come back in different ways, but it still makes you feel the same feelings.
1: It can. It just, it kind of depends, like, like, because I hadn't, what I felt um, a few, like, what I felt a a month or two ago, I hadn't felt since high school. Gotcha. So, because really my breakthrough was starting my career um, in in college. Mm -hmm. That was my breakthrough where I felt like I had some sort, I was good at something for the first time ever. I was, like, I was going to, progress in something right because when i started college i still felt like a failure you know i just felt like i didn't know where i was going i just did communications just to because i was like it's the closest thing to something i might be good at maybe i can go into radio maybe i can do this i'm an okay writer but um so my career kind of my career in a way like hip-hop culture and wanting to be part of it saved my life like aspiring to be part of it kind of saved my life
0: mm-hmm. and that um, and, and the, the hip-hop was kind of around, would you say, high school towards college or? Uh,
1: like as far as my love for it? Yeah. Uh, definitely like sixth grade, seventh grade or so. Okay. Um,
0: and then it just became like a vessel. Yeah,
1: like by, in, by, by high school, I was like, I was looking into albums, behind the scenes footage right. and stuff okay. on the internet, um, you know, all of that stuff. But it was um, actually at the performing arts school that I uh, went to. Um, I took a hip-hop history class, like a hip-hop theater class, where he taught us the history of the 80s. Like, he didn't even teach us the 90s. Gotcha. started the 70s and the 80s of how it started. And from there, I was just... I loved the culture because I love that it started from pe- people who were outcasted by society and had to come together to create something bigger than themselves. Wow. And that's something that I completely... Re- I didn't relate to the oppression part of it. I don't obviously relate to any parts of the, you know being beaten down by society, but I completely relate to feeling like you're just, you just, wherever you go, you're not, not only are you not accepted, but you're not wanted Mm. per se. And that was something that I loved about hip hop was that they use that, like that pain into, made it to something so amazing and beautiful. And that's just kind of why I would say it it more or less saved my life, but. Right. Mm -hmm.
0: So now we're, now we are fast forward into around now. Like, so, you haven't felt this way since high school, mm-hmm. and you said that you were now teetering again with the idea of an attempt to harm yourself or mm-hmm. worse. Um,
1: at, well, at this point, I had been medication free since two thousand thirteen. Okay. Um, because I I was on some I was on some light medication. For anxiety, I forget what I was on, to be honest with you. I was on it for a very consistently long time throughout. Once I started college, I was on that until uh, junior year of college. So I was on it for a while. Um, and I felt like everything was in a good place. You know, anytime I was going through something, I would be going through a lot, but I could always fall back on what I was doing in my career. So it just felt like I never had a over-the-edge to the point of, like, no return again. Um, because I always had things go- something going to keep me up. Um But then in 2013, I was in, like, this horrible relationship with this guy who he was so, like, it was just such a bad relationship that it actually made me forget to take my medication. Wow. And, like, and I was almost, like, embarrassed to take it in front of him. It was such a short relationship, but, I and he. this is the only thing I'm thankful for from that relationship. He actually waned me off of it completely to the point that once I was out of the relationship, I was like, I don't even, how am I, how am I functioning? I'm not even on any medication it turns out uh, and it turns out um after that i just realized the only reason i was going through stuff is because like go, the only reason i needed medication is i needed to get rid of the things around me that were causing that at the time which was the things in high school because i was doing great right up until two, a month ago like i was perfect um i would have my anxiety moments and i would have my depressive moments but i was able to get through them i wasn't you know, doing anything toxic or right. crazy.
0: There was nothing as bad as, as yeah. this. Yeah.
1: I, I I was just, I mean, there was some PTSD stuff to work through and there still unfortunately is, but yeah, it was just like weird. And But it was just the fact that by um, a month or two ago, I didn't have, like everything had changed around me. Things with my, I was no, like my family wasn't doing as well um, anymore. Um, My career had slipped through my fingers, like Mm -hmm. the career I had like slipped through my fingers. My financial situation was terrible. My work schedule was completely stressful. Like it was, you know, I never had, I had barely a social life. So it was just a lot, like it was a lot to deal with. And that's when I was diagnosed with adjustment disorder, um, which is basically like you, you're triggered by, like your lack of like change around you kind of triggers you where it's like too much change and it's overwhelming to the point that it triggers your mental illness and that's what happened for me at that time. So mm. that's when I said I need to go back on something.
0: Right. Okay.
1: <laughs> I know this is it's so heavy. No, me. no,
0: it's heavy. It's heavy, but you know I'm trying to I'm working through it with you. You know, we we we're going through it together. Uh so you felt you feel like you had no closure. With this situation, because I feel like it's still, still maybe an open wound. Like yeah. when I talk to you, I, I see it in your in your face. You still feel like there's an open wound throughout the experiences in high school. You yeah. never got any closure from that situation.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not that I need closure. It's just that I realized a few years ago. I realized a few years ago that, um, I, like you know how people are raised. Like you know how you see these videos of fathers telling their children, you know, like, you are be- every day, like, you're beautiful, you're yeah. success- like how DJ Catlin talks to Assad. Mm-hmm. It's not that my parents didn't compliment me. My parents, like, you know, wor- like worship the ground I walked on, which was amazing, but there was also a sense of um, like, almost doubting yourself at times. And not that they instilled that in me, it's just that they ki- I kind of watched some of them do that to themselves. Got you. So, I wasn't used to raising myself up and keeping myself up like that. Um, I kind of depended on the environment around me to do it so when they brought me down i brought myself even more down like i and then it then it turned to the point of by high school beating everybody to the punch of doing that so i would you know down myself before anyone else could i would tell myself i was
0: self-deprecation yeah Mm -hmm. so
1: it turned into that and then it just turned into like full-fledged hating myself because of everybody around me like going with those punches got you got you yeah so my it all comes from like a big you know self-esteem thing with which is things i'm still working through like Mm -hmm. intensely today and it's it's still hard for me to try to find all of the greatness within me like i still i see a lot of great things in me but there's things that people tell me about and i'm like i don't i don't know what you're talking about at all right and people don't believe me. People think that, you know, that's things that girls do for attention. And, you know, of course, there are girls that do it for attention. But you also have to keep in mind you don't know the girls. You don't know anyone's situation because they could easily really think those things about themselves. They really could have been exposed to something to make them think that about themselves. I mean, I have a whole caricature telling me how fat I am with a whole yeah. class of men telling me that it's true, that it's funny. So it's hard for me with like things like my weight were hard for me for a little bit, you know, and that's why I'm particular about parts of my body because I think about that caricature and I don't want it to become true again. Mm-hmm. So that's what, you know, it's, that's just when I I hate when I see things like on social media about, you know, um, girls are always seeking attention. Stop saying this about yourself. Just post your pic and go. It's like. You know, like let them live. You right. know, just let them let them get the attention they they might need. Maybe they need that uplifting compliment that day. So, uh,
0: did you speak to the dude ever again after that?
1: Which one?
0: The dude who did the caricature.
1: I don't think I ever, I don't think I ever saw him again or anything. Okay. Um I, I think somebody. I think what happened was is that I went to when I went to St. John's, there was somebody mutual there that knew the f- like one of the friends that like kind of encouraged him in a way to like do all these things like was one of the like yeah man give it to her like you know let her take that yeah um he reached out to the mutual friend and said like i would love to apologize to her for my role in what happened one mm-hmm. day but like it never happened but that made me feel a little bit better to know that like okay i'm not crazy right you know but i know and i don't It's. i mean honestly like it's not that i would need an apology because I was bringing a lot of it on myself at that point because of what had happened to me in high school. And I don't even know how I would deal with a real apology from those things. I don't know if it would change. I don't think it would change anything, you know, based on how my life is now.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you've been a a, a champion throughout all the, all, all of the things that you have to, that you have had to go through, um, in the past and now, uh, from somebody who's an only child myself, mm. I know when I go through things, for me, it's only me and my thoughts sometimes. Like, I live alone.
1: You don't talk to your parents or anything? Yeah, sure, sure, mm. sure.
0: But, you know, when things happen, you're always going to have time to reflect. Mm-hmm. Things become very reflective no matter how boisterous you are on a situation, no, no matter how many times you vent. Mm-hmm at the end of the day you go home with your thoughts and your emotions exactly I mean, how you feel somebody was suffering from mental illness and um very outspoken about it how has how have the the converse how how's the interaction with yourself been removing yourself from everybody and kind of be i kind of being isolated
1: mm. by
0: yourself sometimes well, not even sometimes, but the saying is, uh, "Idle time is the devil's playground." Mm-hmm. It's when, when, when we feel like
1: these demons come out to play.
0: Exactly when we're alone and we can't really, or or we're in too deep to even communicate that we need help. Uh, has alone time been comforting from you? Because I know sometimes you isolate yourself to kind of regroup.
1: Yeah, but it how also w- can be scary too.
0: Right. Talk about that.
1: Um, it's definitely scary because for me like some people suffer from simply um not simply it's not simple at all but some people suffer from you know depression some people suffer from anxiety but they don't exactly know what depression like feels like some people just have stress and think it's depression or anxiety when it's just simply a stressful time you know there's all these different scenarios some people are, are truly bipolar where they have manic episodes and depressive episodes and manic episodes is so much different than what a depressive person sees and acts and uh, is what they're like. Um, but for me, when I'm alone, I mean, I'm a very anxious person. So I replay so many other things that have already happened or things that could happen in my head. Hmm. So I think of things that have already happened, like in my life, like whether it's high school or a conversation I had with someone yesterday that upset me earlier that day or a year ago or a friend that I haven't even seen in you know five years and how that friendship might have ended or an argument like I replay those types of things but then I also think about what if I never do this in life what if nobody loves me in life like what if I never find this what if I never you know flourish in this what if I never meet this goal like what if I'm just purposeless and God just has me here for no reason and things like that like things that you shouldn't think about or whatever Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it really is like the devil's playground, basically.
0: I I can't even like I can imagine a certain degree, but then dealing with things like to be so strong because you've been in situations where it could have got real ugly. Yeah, and to still have the, the 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 presence of mind and the strength to be like, no, I'm not gonna go there. Mm. I'm not gonna do that. Ha, has your mental changed a lot since high school? Because you said you used to think about things like, oh, nobody cares about me, nobody gives a fuck, this and that. And now I think you maturing into a woman mm-hmm. knowing how many people care about you, mm-hmm. like knowing that you have so much overwhelming support. How has the mental uh, aspect changed? Do you still feel like no one gives a fuck? Because I'm here to tell you, that that's not true, um, mm-hmm. even if we go through something with one person or we go through something with 15 people. Mm-hmm. So people out there will let you know that, hey, we love you, we care about you. Mm-hmm. So those conversations now with yourself, have they changed or is it the same kind of conversation?
1: Um, they've changed a little bit, but I will say that when I am going through like a time like if i am going through a really difficult period and i'm really questioning my life um those thoughts just kind of it's almost like a demon version of you coming in and telling you that rather than you telling you that so i will it's like almost like i'm seeing red like i'm not seeing the colors of the world anymore i'm just seeing simply red or just Mm -hmm. black and it's almost like you know a, a whole different being is coming in a different side of you it's like you know how they have the the meme of the inner you with the hoodie on yeah, it's yeah. almost like that coming in and saying well no one cares about you I'm, like there are or you know no one will be sad if you're gone or all these things just come and you're kind of and then all of a sudden you know the little the you that's you turns into this little small person and it feels like they don't have the strength mm. to say no anymore it's like that person just kind of disappeared over your shoulder and you're like wait wait, wait! i needed you the to, to convince right. me that that's wrong it's like they're not there at that moment. It's like my anxiety Shame. just, yeah, it's like almost like you're literally with the angel and the devil on your shoulder and the devil just like, you know, threw a spear at the angel across your shoulder and they're not there at the moment to whisper you back into reality or whisper you back into good peace or anything. And it's just people don't understand how how easily your peace can be taken from you in these situations. People just think that, oh, just chill, oh, oh relax, man. or oh, don't don't think like that. Yeah, I would love to. <laughs> I would totally love to feel that way, but that's not necessarily the case. Sometimes we really like—it's really a chemical in there telling us otherwise. It's really a, a trigger telling us otherwise. It's a demon, like whatever you want to call it, telling us literally otherwise. You know, and it's awful because you know you—it's you, like you could put—you could put a blue color in front of me, and my mind could still say it's green or purple or something. And there's not much. I can do at that moment. You kind of have to find a way to shake it off in some way, and that's where it gets difficult because not every that the shake off remedies don't work for everyone. Yeah, I
0: I, I can imagine because some people actually do succeed and take their live mm-hmm. life or take other people's lives, mm-hmm. and like you said, it's crazy. You said the, the the devil and the demons are talking to you, and you feel like the angels. Mm not there. And I know you're not, you know, an expert or, you know, PhD certified, but you have been going through this mm. for many years. For a young person, an older person who really does not know how to deal with their mental health, mm-hmm. what, what are some things that you do to kind of cope with it day to day? If you know you have an episode... And what are some things that you can do to cope
1: mm-hmm. so
0: that somebody else can live to see another day and yeah. at least to live to t- tell somebody and talk about it where they don't have to deal with it with themselves?
1: Um, if you notice that you are having some tendencies of some sort, I do recommend going to your the first thing I will say before anything is I recommend you talk to your primary care doctor. Um, so that they maybe might be able to put you in touch with a therapist, a social worker, or someone. Um, I have a therapist now, um, I believe it's a therapist. Yeah, I don't think she's a social worker. But she cannot prescribe medication. She's just you know, for right. talking purposes. Um, I can text her if I'm going through something or if I have an emergency like, hey, I'm going through something, I can text her and if she gets out of a session, she can call me or text back or whatever it might be. Like she can. she's kind of there to make sure that I'm okay. Because um, she, she's always said so that if I'm going through one of those moments again where I do feel I want to attempt my life, I can call her. And I, you know, I've reached out before. Um, so that would be the first thing I would just recommend to anyone is make sure you have a professional that you can reach out to. I would not recommend actually calling the suicide hotline. Um, as much as the suicide hotline is there to, you know, they're, they want to talk you off the cliff. Um, they are not professional uh, doc. They do not have PhDs. They are not certified per se uh, to treat people who have suicidal thoughts. They are volunteers who you know just want to help. They're good citizens. It's great, but not last- professional. Yeah. So right. um, I would not recommend that just simply because last time I did call, it was somebody who wanted to talk about all about him. I was hysterically crying, and all they did was talk about themselves um, and kind of make jokes, and it just wasn't. It wasn't good. Right. <laughs> he, he just must have been bored. He I don't know what it was, right. but you have to keep in mind they're there for hours. They're bored. It's like you know, it's like any job they might not want to do on that day. You might catch them on a day they don't feel like it. Um, that's the risk that you take. Um, you might not get put with a person you like, and there's not many people that actually work in each office. So. I just wouldn't recommend that um, unless you really, really need someone to talk to if it's like 4 a.m. and no, you know, no one will pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. That's when I would recommend that. But just I would just uh, try to find someone non-judgmental. What we want, the most thing that what we want, people with mental illness or issues with their mental health, whatever it might be, the number one thing we want is to be understood. It's not just to be listened to. We want people to know what we're talking about and they, so that they can help us talk us through it. Um, my mental illness, I've discovered in the past like month or so, comes from my obsession to be understood. Mm. It actually doesn't come from simply going through a tough time. It comes from feeling like I'm going through it alone. No one knows what I'm talking about. No one knows what I'm feeling Um, and so that's why I even get really triggered by arguments because when my point is not understood about how I feel about something or why something hurt my feelings and the other person does not seem to know why they hurt my feelings and isn't listening, Mm -hmm. it makes me go into obsession mode and that's where my, like, illness probably comes from. I just, I need to be understood and that's not healthy because not everyone is going to understand you. Not everybody even wants to understand you. Um... But I would just recommend make sure you have a non-judgmental person that is willing to do their best, um, Find your, whether it's finding your most compassionate or empathetic friend, someone who's also going through it. Just make sure you have someone that you can talk to. Um, and if you absolutely do not have anyone to talk to, because I've actually talked to some people that don't even have family members that would be willing to talk to them about this because they think that it's... They don't understand it. They don't think it's real. Um, I would just find things that make you happy make you laugh find something to make you laugh whether it's a video whether it's going on social media and saying hey send me the funniest meme or joke you know Mm -hmm. Um, I did that the other day when I really needed it and it actually helped a lot people don't realize that it actually really helped me a lot Um, you know do whatever you can't find um, find apps that deal with this where there's group chats Um, I have Pacifica and I sometimes go in the group chat and say, Hey, I'm going through this today. Is anyone else? And five people will respond, I felt like that the other day. Oh my God. Like, here's how I dealt with it. Um, find breathing exercises, uh, music that you enjoy. I watch The Office when I'm most depressed. I'm going through se- season two right now. It's been my, it's, a good show, it's gotten by the way. me through so much shit since 2007. I love The Office. Mm. It's actually been like my remedy. Um, you know, so find a show you enjoy. To, uh, Go out for a drink with a girlfriend. I don't recommend heavily drinking, but maybe a glass of wine if you're into it. Right. Um, you know, just do stuff you We'd enjoy. We don't self-medicate. Yeah, do, right. not don't, yeah, yeah. Don't, do not self-medicate by yeah. any means. Do not take a Xanax, ever. Unless you are prescribed Xanax, do not take Xanax. It is a pill that you can easily get addicted to and you can die from simply exhaustion. Do not mm. take Xanax if you are not prescribed it and do not take more than the dosage trust me on that one <laughs> um it is very scary when you and also the withdrawal from xanax is extremely scary do not take xanax <laughs> um but yeah i would just say that you have to find what works for you even if you have to experiment if you have to do a thousand different things find an anti-stress book and instead of coloring in the lines scribble all over it and and you know rip up paper whatever you need to do like just make sure you have a non-judgmental environment around you mm-hmm. you know that's probably the most thing volunteer you know be around different types of people i mean every it's just hard cuz i feel like these are the same i feel like i'm repeating these self-help articles you read online or in books and i hate that i'm doing that
0: yeah but it's whatever helps
1: you yeah but yeah. i mean none of, to be honest things like meditation all that have never really helped me it's really just been being in seclusion, crying my eyes out and praying that it passes and then waking up with less of a pit each day until Mm. I don't have it anymore. And then wait for the next episode to come maybe a month or five months or a year later or whatever it might be.
0: You know, I I think to the severity of the situation, I can't understand how you feel, but I'm always here. And, uh, you know, I think it's brave of you to want to talk about this, especially being so personal, Mm -hmm. especially being so vulnerable. Um, I hope people listen and Mm -hmm. can also identify if they're ever in a crisis to seek help, number one, and to, two, understand, hey, I'm not the only one who's going through this. Mm -hmm. Like You might have saved some lives here on this one, so hats off to you for just putting it all out there. And before we go, I think it's important because, you know, sometimes in situations like this, you can feel alone. Yeah. But I think it's important to, you know, maybe give a shout out to the people who are in your corner. Mm -hmm. Um, Just so you can hear yourself say the names. Mm -hmm. And um, you can always know that those people are in your corner so you don't have to feel alone Mm -hmm. because that's not... What I ever want to make you feel, and I know some of your friends who are wonderful people that I've met, um, shout out to everybody that was at Lindsay's birthday party, mm-hmm. you know, um, these people genuinely care about you. Mm-hmm. I met your mom and your pops, mm-hmm. amazing people, you know, <laughs> they care about you. So maybe just shouting them out and mm-hmm. hearing, hey, I do have people in my corner, I have people who will uplift me when I need, and I don't have to go through this by myself. Some things I may have to, but
1: mm-hmm. I
0: should never feel like I can't cry on anybody's shoulder if I need to.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. Well, definitely, first of all, my mom and my dad. My parents are saviors, like angels just sent from God. They are honestly like the greatest parents. The fact that they even recognize this so early on, and even though they treated it as something might be wrong with her, They still, you know, believed in me that I wasn't wrong, period. I wasn't just like this faulty child that they should send back to the hospital and get a new one. Like they didn't treat me like how everybody else made me feel like I had to be treated. They literally said, we believe in her and we know that she has potential for this. She's talented in this. We see the light of her, but let's help her with the darkness. Mm -hmm. And I will forever, you know, be grateful that I had that in my corner because I could have had such a horrible you know, environment at home dealing with this. I could have had people who made me feel rejected and even worse than when I ke- went to school and came home and felt the same thing. And there are people that have to deal with that. They go to school, feel feel like nobody understands them, come home and feel even worse. Mm. And I pray for those people every day. For I really, truly do. Um, I definitely want to give a shout out to my best friend, Hama, because even though she never, she doesn't always know what I'm dealing with. And sometimes we've had, you know, our, you know, like her her trying to understand and it just like sometimes and her, me trying to understand her at times and it not always getting through one thing she always does is is she's the friend that you want like you want to show the appreciation always does because everybody always says i wish i had a friend that would tell me how amazing i am every day that's Hama. Hama will text me paragraphs on paragraphs on paragraph essays just telling me why i'm amazing telling me how talented i am telling me why i should keep going after this or that how i'm going to be this one day she literally, like, according to how much she thinks I would basically be the president of the United States one day. Like, she's just, she has that much belief in me, and she and she has no problem looking you in the eye and saying it rather than trying to be all, like, let me just text you it later. Like, she will look me, she will keep me in her car, in her passenger seat. It'll be, like, 2 a.m., and we both have to, like, go to sleep and get home. And she'll be like, Nolens, you're going to sit here, and I'm going to tell you every amazing thing about you. And mm. she's just amazing for that. Like, she has gotten me through so much shit single-handedly right. um she really has um and then i definitely want to give a shout out to my two friends melissa and drea because even though what's Melissa up, y'all? Cause, cause, yeah I, I love you guys um even though melissa and um, drea were raised a little bit more on like tough love and kind of just like you'll get through it don't worry about it you yeah. know a little bit more on the tougher side they still have empathy for how i feel and they're always like oh what's wrong don't worry it'll pass and sometimes they use like jokes and things to be like, oh, well, like if this happens to you, like at least you can do this or at least you like to be make right. it funny or something. And I enjoyed that. Um, anytime I delete my Twitter and I go in isolation, Melissa has screamed at me and been like, you need to like you could be you. I see so much greatness in you and you need to make sure everybody else sees that. Because one day you're going to get your shot and I believe in Very you. True. So she always says, don't delete your Twitter, just log out. Like she tries to put me in the right direction at all times, even when I'm going through something like she should be she, should, she like she could honestly be like God's manager. Like she's just <laughs> so good at that. Shots and Andrea, you know, Andrea has been through a lot herself. So she is on the side of both tough love and going through it, going through it on her own as well. So she sees both sides of the fence. Um, and that's why I really appreciate about her. Um, I just... There's a lot of people in my life. You know, my friend Block. He always just randomly shows up when you just give him a call. Um, There's Maz and Matt who are just... I really enjoy. Like, they always just come around. They tell me how... Like, they'll tell me, they're like, you're trash, Lindsay, but you're the golden bag of trash. <laughs> <laughs> like, you are the golden trash special, bag. You're
0: the special trash bag. Like, you're
1: a garbage can, not a garbage cannot, you Aww. know. <laughs> <So they're- Aww. laughs> That's adorable. Yeah, they're like, you know, they're like my bros. Um, yeah. I mean, there's just a lot, there's a lot of people I would need to shout out. Robin, Robin's been through, a. Robin and me have had a lot of heart-to-hearts mm-hmm. Um you know we've both been through a lot like she's been through so much and we relate on a lot of those aspects and what's interesting is that she was the first friend I had that came to me and said after I um, started doing my mental illness stuff and said I'm not gonna lie to you Lindsay I always kind of thought that like the mental, Ill- mental illness or like suicidal thoughts was kind of just like not real or like just didn't believe in it just thought that that was not like a thing people it was just kind of people putting it on themselves. And she, like, she full-fledged gave me an explanation and said, I, I, like, I'm sorry for thinking that. I just want to let you know you helped. You kind of helped open my eyes, and I've been through things now that have opened my eyes. And she was the first one to admit that, her, like, she admitted her closed-mindedness, and, and I, I appreciate her so much for putting that... Person of a perspective on me because I might not know how many people I deal with and on a day to day that think like that. Right. So I thought that was a great, great gift that she gave me to see that perspective and know that some of the things I do might be be able to affect that, and that gave me a little bit of my purpose and like gave me a little drive oh. to do it. <laughs> I
0: thank you for real. Like I felt like I interviewed you, but like. <laughs> I just want to let you know that, like, I'm here for you. Thank I'm, you, love. I am here for you, and...
1: Well, one, th- one, Sorry, one thing I just want to make clear is that even though I sound, like, upbeat and... Or at least, you know, like, I'm, I'm speaking fine, you sound... Like, the one misconception about mental illness and people that are going through things is that when you listen to things like this, um, there's people that are listening that might say, she sounds fine to me. Mm-hmm. She doesn't sound like anything's wrong. That is the biggest misconception you can probably have. On someone, Um, there are so many little other traits that you could see. You know, I could. I'm probably gonna go out of here and start dancing and be my lit Lindsay self, whatever. (laughs) But it doesn't mean I won't go home and cry my eyes out or be going through something. And that's that's things that people need to keep in mind. Is that you? I mean, we saw Robin Williams, one of the best comedians Mm. on earth, take his life because he gave himself so much to entertaining other people or trying to make Mm. others laugh and smile. And sometimes I do put that burden on myself. Wow. And it takes a lot. It does take a lot from me, but it's worth it if I see people happy or smiling or I can make someone's day or if I can have fun with my friends. But it doesn't mean I'm not going home and facing these horrible thoughts. And it doesn't mean... So that's why sometimes you hear voices like this one day, and then you're like, "What what happened? Why would they... Why would they do that to themselves and leave if they sounded fine? Yeah. Not everybody's fine. Right. So that's the one thing I want to make clear with this, you know, this episode.
0: They have it. Um, and this is specifically for Mental Health Month. Mm-hmm. But also, we just want to continue bringing awareness to it because...
1: We well, do uh, check-ins every so often. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And a lot of people... Have gone through it mm-hmm. and, and are
1: currently going through uh, it that we see every single day, absolutely and don't have and you these might conversations think it's fine, with,
0: you might yeah. think it's okay, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. So, I hope that you were able to gain something from this. I know I have, um, going through my own mm-hmm. small tits and tats and issues, and you know, but it's important to again feel like hey I'm not the only one and to seek help if if you feel like it's getting out of control absolutely I thank please you Lindsay do.
1: and anyone who feels that they need they don't have a non-judgmental ear or access to mental health care um, I know that some people can't get it covered by their insurance please if you need to reach out to me I am not a professional I, I do not have a PhD but I have no issues listening to whatever you need to tell me even if it's you know 50 pages long of an essay in my instagram dms or you need my personal number please reach out to me i have no problems talking to anyone if you need to be talked off a cliff or if you just simply are annoyed by something please reach out i have no problems listening to anything and trying to do my best to give you a perspective i have no problems with that so please reach out Jameer is one of the nicest people on earth. Reach out to him; he you can, can always. And if you need someone to make you laugh, too, Jameer is probably Possibly. the most perfect person. Maybe if you need some wisdom, he is one of the wisest people I know. Just is, is
0: that true?
1: Yes, Stop. absolutely. You're dropping gems. I have a, okay, okay.
0: No, <laughs> I, yeah.
1: Make sure you just absolutely we are we can be your resources if you need so.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, like I I value people, so mm-hmm. I don't think anybody should harm themselves to the point harm themselves in general but also to the point of no return
1: exactly i feel like there's
0: always somebody who can kind of talk you off the ledge mm-hmm. and um yes not a professional i can do my best but also guide you to a professional and yes that you know, too yeah and um we're going to take this responsibility upon ourselves to continue talking about this and other issues that plague our communities and generations mm-hmm. so Thank you for being so strong. We'll be back next week. Yes. It's Play Cousins. Play we cousins out. podcast. Peace.